welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 93. Let's roll. And uh, yeah, sad, sad week. My, my, my Boston Celtics laid down, just laid down, and uh, rolled over for the dominant Golden State Warriors. Dynasty in the making, four titles, eight years. Good for them. They deserved it. Steph was the best. And here to commiserate with me is a fellow Bostonian, fellow East Coaster, fellow Masshole, fellow Undroppable, Dan the Man, Hampton Marino. Dan, you can find Dan on Twitter, at A-W-L, Sabermetrics. Dan, what's going on, buddy? What is up, Boulanger? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude. I wish it was fun. Uh, happy to be here, man. Uh, you know, long-time listener, not a first-time caller. So no. uh, really happy to be back on. Uh, really excited to talk about a lot of good stuff today. Unfortunately, yeah, the Celtics uh, are dumb, and I don't like them. Yeah, no, we we, uh, we we had to eat it a little bit. You know, we were up two, up 1-0, up 2-1, and I texted my friend. Uh, I don't know if – I don't think I tweeted it. I texted. I said – Winner tonight wins a series, that game four. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like if we go up 3-1, we, we can get one more. I felt like if we went 2-2, just sort of seeding home court back to them was 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 a bad recipe. I just thought that game four was the game. It turned out it was, too, because that was the game that we were up 91-86 with, you know, however many minutes left, and it was the Steph game 0-9. for 9. It was everything was there, and we just, you know, we just we just tanked it. Um, yeah, and then it's... five and six were, you know – uh, just the better team went out there and, and and finished their business. Yeah, when you have one of the all time like best players just completely shit the bed, you have to take advantage. You have to, yeah, because yeah. you know he's not going to do it again. I mean, Steph was the best player in the series. Um, he's, I mean, now that he wins this title, now that he puts himself there, he was the best player in the league. So he's the greatest player uh, of a generation, uh, you know, him and LeBron, basically this whole generation, mm-hmm. there is no doubt. He's the scariest player to root against too. Like, like I, you know, I've rooted against LeBron and Jordan and all the rest of it, but he's scary because you're like, he's just going to hit it from half court. There's nothing we can do. And then he was great getting to the hoop. He's a bigger player than he was when he was younger now. So he can yeah. take a little bit more contact, play through it all. I mean, he was just outstanding, wasn't he? Yeah. His, his two point game has gotten a lot better. Yeah. Uh, and even I think during the series, I tweeted out, like, if you told me he was a career 75% three-point shooter, I'd believe you. <laughs> right. Just because that's what it feels like. The yeah. dude's just absolutely insane. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think mean, about it. He went, he went 0 for 9 in that one game and still shot 45% from three during the series. So, I mean, he was just yeah, money. Insane. He was just money. And he would pull up from half court. I mean, he he had the, the, the swag going. Like, you know, in game five, too, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, they, they were better. They knew it. Um, so good for them, man. Good for them. They deserve it. You know, um, I was, I, I, it was funny. I was trying to figure out a way to hate that team. Cause I really like the, the Warriors, you know, I live out here and they're my sort of West coast adopted team. You know, they're in the, the other conference. So it was like totally fine. I cheer for them all the time. And so then I was like, wait, my Celts are going up against them. I got to find a way to hate them. It didn't take long, man. I, I was full in <laughs> hatred mode with clay and Draymond and everybody, sure. but yep. you know, <laughs> soft. It, yeah, it is what it is, man. We, you know, I felt like, uh, like even Marcus Smart, like there was this like moments of lack of hustle and everything. They defeated us. You know, they didn't just beat us. They defeated us and uh, mm-hmm. good for them. Yeah. 
I got to say, wait, actually, I have a question for you. Yeah. I'll take over here. Uh, who is your MVP of the Celtics? Because I, I have a I have a take. Wait, playoffs or how? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the playoffs. Or put it this way, of the finals. Who's the best? Who's the MVP for the Celtics? I mean, honestly, either Horford or Jalen. Rob Horford. Rob Williams, best player. Well, he made I mean, all the difference. He made all the difference. One side of the floor, though. Yeah, yeah, but when he was there, the way that the Warriors ran their offense was just completely different. You know, the problem for me with Rob Williams is he was hurt, you know, and so yeah. I just kept squinting at him because if you watch the Celts during the season, he was like, when we when we took off, you know, when the Celts took off and like, you know, after January, it was it was the Rob Williams lineups that were like, death lineups like you know you mm-hmm. couldn't score on them and then there was nothing you could do to stop their offense because he was just lobbing everything to the rim you had to protect that so everybody would kind of you know uh, suck into the middle and then it would leave shooters wide open it was just like pick your poison figure it out and without rob williams being 100 percent, he couldn't move as well and therefore was oh, yeah. easier to contend with on both ends he couldn't come out and contest curry like you know in those screen yeah. rolls at the top of the key they just drag him into screen rolls and curry out all the room he wanted. So well, that was, and that was fucking Horford too. He was yeah. brutal with it. But yeah. That's, I don't know. That's just People curry. I mean, they, don't want they, they did such a great job on the pick and roll throughout every yeah. series, except when they ran into the best team in the, you know, I mean the greatest yeah. shooter of all time. And, you know, basically the, what a top five or 10 shooter alongside him and clay. I mean, yeah, very, very tough yeah. to guard. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Jalen shit the bed. <laughs> Look, Jalen in game six didn't shit the bed. He what he scored like 35, was five for ten from three. Listen, I mean, he showed up in game six. He was fighting, clawing and scratching. I'll give a lot of credit to Jalen. Yeah. I know. I know. That's just the mm-hmm. truth, you know. He's a he's a he's a he's a dribble it off his foot type of guy, but you know, he, <laughs> he goes out there and battles, man. So yeah, he was uh he's an yeah. infuriating player. Marcus is infuriating, Tatum was infuriating. But, yep. you know, it's infuriating when you play against a great team. They weren't infuriating for like four four months during the regular season. Uh, so, you know, it is what it yeah. is. That's what the playoffs are. And, you know, they're a young team. Uh, what was it? Uh, I think only Dwayne Wade is like the only superstar to have won a title by like 24 years old. Um, <laughs> you know, I think LeBron was 26. Michael was 27. Whatever it is, you know. And, yeah, I know Michael. Uh, these guys years. are 24, Tatum, and 25, uh, Jalen. So, you know, I, I, they're ahead of schedule, and but the problem is, is that the the league's going to be very, very competitive in the coming years. So there's no guarantee the Celts just bring it back. Yep. So, speaking of Boston and how bad they are, what about our Patriots, man? Let's just get this out of the way. Let's just get all the negativity out of the way. You know, it's like I mean this this New England team. You know, they may be okay. I, I think I told someone they're going seven and ten this year. I'm not too mm-hmm. too high on them. Uh, I was higher on them last year because I thought people were sleeping. This year, okay. I think, you know, th- their riddle may be solved uh, NFL-wise. But fantasy-wise, I mean, they're atrocious. I mean, let's start with Mac Jones. I know everybody wants us to spend, like, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes just really diving into Mac Jones. So let's do that. I'm joking. I'm joking. I can. Um, but the question I have for you, Dan, is he worth anything at all outside of two QB and Superflex leagues? Um. Well, in one QB leagues, I mean, like 90% of quarterbacks aren't worth anything. True. To be fair, yeah. Uh, so it's it's really tough because, and obviously my fandom kind of plays a part, but I can I can separate it out because I think actually on the Undroppables rankings, I have them ranked the lowest. Right, I'm pretty sure. So you know, kudos to me for not being just a blatant homer. Um, I I think it's really tough because he 
and one slide, I think he had a faster or is the same speed as like Trevor Lawrence in his 40. Like he's mobile in the pocket, has a little bit of speed, but he's very much not a scrambler. So, and he completes his passes. So in, in super flex leagues, I, I think he's a really, really solid QB two that, you know, leading up to the draft and everything, people are like, oh, his high end is Kirk Cousins. Who, if you look at like fantasy finishes, is like a eight to twelve range type guy, right? And I think that's I very much think Mac can do that. Sure. So I think in those leagues, I think he's very much worth like he's a really solid. He's not flashy, he's not sexy, but he's a really solid QB two. Yeah, I think he's a I think he's a solid QB two. That's exactly right. He's not worth anything in one quarterback leagues because there are some yeah. guys who you could you know, ranked in and around him that you could make an argument for in two QB leagues. I mean, excuse me, in one QB leagues, like, you know, Justin Fields has the rushing upside. Uh, Zach Wilson, you know, he kind of profiles as prolific. So if he kind of puts it all together, he could be, you know, kind of, whoa, look at all this. You know, he's got weapons and stuff, you know. So there are players, you know, that are sort of ranked in and around him in a a single quarterback format, Mm -hmm. whether it be redraft or dynasty, that could be worth something i think he's almost worthless and as you point out almost all of them are worthless in one quarterback but in two qb and super flex leagues i think he's just a solid sort of guy who's just going to be there every day but if we shift to the new england patriots and the way they play um Mm -hmm. i don't know that much else is worth a damn in this offense and it's like you know you got uh parker kendrick Bourne, Nikhil harry jacoby myers nelson aguilar tyquan thornton like, are all these guys going to even be with the team in September? So I think Harry Harry's likely out. Um, right. He's wanted out for years. I feel like Bill Bill's probably wanted him out since a month after drafting him. Yeah. Um, I know uh, some people think Aguilar is a cut candidate. Hmm. I guess in, in theory, he is. I just I don't see the point of it. Um, right. It's not like the, the Patriots don't really get any cap savings for doing it. I think Aguilar, and it's really more of a real life fantasy thing. Like Parker is a pretty good, like real life player. Bourne is a good real life player. I like player. Bourne. Yeah. Like Aguilar is. I know <laughs> he had the the dropsies in in Philly, but he's actually a pretty good player. So they have a lot of like Jacoby's very good, like right. in the slot and stuff. So the issue I think is just yeah how they run their offense. I, is not fantasy friendly outside no. of like the Damien Harris and Hunter Henry. Yeah. It's like, well, the next question after, are they all going to survive? You would think Taekwon would make the team obviously being a yeah. second round. Harry, pick I think Harry's out and that's everyone else should make it. How, how do you think he's out? You think they find a trade partner or you think they just release his ass? I think they just fucking caught him. I, think I mean, so too. What, the best case scenario, you get like what a, a seventh. You're right. Honestly, nobody's giving shit for him. That's right. And actually he's a really good, like sort of, you know, salvage yard pickup for another team because it could just be the whole Patriot thing. You know, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, a kid did have pedigree. He was a first round pick and some people question that, but most people for sure thought he was a, you know, day one or day two pick. I mean, nobody was like, this guy's absolute garbage. I mean, maybe, you know, whatever you can always. Well, that, tweet, and that, there's a lot of revisionist history with that too. Yes. Like, I can't believe they picked Harry. It's like, he was, he was the favorite of a lot of fucking people. Yes. The day uh, when it, the draft happened. So yeah, no doubt. I, I think, you know, Obviously, it was it was a miss, but you know, miss happens in drafts. 
not not as bad as Jalen Rager, though. I'll tell you that much. Fucking Philly. Hey, why don't the Patriots trade Harry to Philly? We get Rager, and we can just say like, let's see what happens. Yeah, that would no harm, no foul. Yeah, that's like uh, (laughs) two teams trading ten ten dollars worth of fab back and forth to each other. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just fun. Are any of them worth a damn at all in fantasy? Like literally, I mean, like I've got a couple of teams with Devonte Parker. I've mm-hmm. got a couple of teams with with Kendrick Bourne. I've got a couple with you know Jacoby Myers. Uh, zero shares, zero cares of Aguilar, but like yep. even some Nikhil Harry, but zero shares, zero cares Tyquan Thornton. But like, um, I'm just wondering, are any of these guys worth anything? And and I, I think it may be only Jacoby Myers. That's the way I'm seeing yep. it. Do you do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, out of the wide receiver, Jacoby's definitely yeah. the one I want the most. Um, Do you want any of them at all? Any of the other ones, like at all? I think the fact that they traded for Parker and mm. Parker specifically wanted to be in New England, mm. I think there's something there. Could be. Um, so he would probably be two just for the potential upside. Born would be like if you're in like a three flex league, right? Deep, and you deep, just need yeah. yeah a deep league. Uh, Taekwon. Honestly, the more that I watch of him, I do really like him. Hmm. I, I mean, that's probably my rose-colored glasses, but for sure, yeah, it's not a this year thing. Right. And the hard part with dynasties, you know, like if a wide receiver flops first year, it's really tough. True that. Historically, yep. Um, which sucks, but he's he's definitely buried on the depth chart. But also, build. That's kind of how he runs the team. He doesn't really give a shit, and he wants that's to right. build you up and kind of redshirt you almost. So. Yeah, he would, Taekwon would be somebody I'd want on a taxi squad. Yeah, but out of the wide receivers, yeah, Jacoby and then I guess Parker and Bourne. I, but, I think the nah. answer that you gave is nah. no, <laughs> because you're like yeah. Taekwon's interesting. I'd like him on my taxi squad, which basically means I don't want his ass. It, it is yeah, tough, man. Yeah, this whole team yeah. is going to be you know very run heavy, uh, not a lot of offensive plays. You know Just they're going to grind Henry. it out. They have a lot of weapons. They're going to spread it around. They've got the two tight ends as you point out, Henry and Janu. Any yeah anything there either because i don't really like either of those tight ends Ooh, so oh so i i mean i i think henry why why not henry well he's a I, little I touchdown dependent i mean you know so i mean where he goes i think i can <laughs> find more targets uh at a better at a better clip I, I think but taking an account for at least for me the way i look at it yeah. taking his account like again i, I think this is my cameron Brait you know, feeling is like after the first four tight ends, like does it matter? And you no. have someone that has a ton of touchdown upside that we just saw. And like, yeah, maybe it's Robert Tunyon 2.0. Sure. That's but, fair. But at yeah, the same fair. time, you know that he gets a ton of red area looks from Mac. True. And in theory, he should, why not get it again? No, that's a great point. Um, by the way, Cameron Brait is a fucking mirage. I'll just tell everybody that. I mean, most people Listen. know that, I think, but I think he's going to fly up boards and get overdrafted, and then people are going to be like, why the hell did I do that? Do you know um, how many targets he got last year? Um, 33. Do you know how many okay. red zone targets he got? That's 19. Wow, okay. Just saying. Just saying. You could do worse, I guess. I mean, I mean if you're – Again, if you punt tight end, which unless you get the top two or three or four, I think he stands just as good of a chance as as anyone else to be. But again, a top 10 tight end doesn't really mean much when you're that's right. six through 10. It's true. Uh, that's what I've said a million times on this show is like once you get out of the top, you know, five or whatever, whatever the number is, you know, whether it's three one year or six the next year, whatever the top sort of the elite 
Um, yeah. In this case, I think they're like five. I think we're looking at five elite ones. Uh, maybe yeah. Schultz you could put in there, so six, whatever. Um, yeah. After you're past that, it's like, you know, all you're trying to do is get ceiling. And that's, I think, is your point on Hunter Henry yes. is, hey, maybe he's touchdown ceiling, right? Yeah. You know, he's involved enough and he gets enough touchdowns where – he ends up, you know, 10, 12 touchdowns. Hey, look at that. Look at that season from Hunter Henry, you know, uh, top five season somehow got there. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. and that's, I know that's great. Isn't the point, but we brought him up or I brought him up. Yeah. Um, especially with no Godwin for, the, I think we're in agreement until like what late October, November, maybe. So yeah. it's Evans, yeah. Leonard Fournette, and then, and then Brate and Brate has some couple good seasons back in 16 and 17. I know it's a million years ago, but he has some, some record. I, I so, do think he's a trusted target. I, I, I yeah. do. I just think he's also that, not a, a, a multi-utility player, as you point oh, out. I agree. He's a trusted target. I agree with that. I don't yeah. think he'll be a volume target. So you're right. I think yep, that's right. That's I, I don't think he steps into a big role, but I think the role he steps into may be valuable if it's uh, by the, by the red zone. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Speaking of the guy that is creating this big, gigantic, <laughs> vacant hole in Tampa Bay is the Gronk news. And uh, what was your initial reaction when you saw the Gronk news? And fuck it, I've been telling people this. So it was like months ago at this point, but it was some like Tampa Bay reporter was just like, you know, Gronk's coming back. He he wouldn't do that to Tampa, da, 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 da. And I, I tweeted out at the time, I'm like, do you guys just forget? that he waited until the entire free agency period ended when he retired from the Patriots and didn't say a thing. Mm. He waited until like a couple of weeks before the draft and was like, all right, I'm out. Like he's done it before. Mm. So I know when I, I think you, you and Nate were, I think it was you and Nate or maybe the, the pod before we're talking about like, ah, he's coming back. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I, I didn't, th- I mean, it's not that I th- thought he was retiring, right. but it was never a sure thing for me right. because we've seen it already from him. So I wasn't super surprised, <laughs> though the fact that both him and Rosenhaus have like, he might come back during the season. I feel like, is he just like skipping OTAs and shit? Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what is this? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the tea leaves that we saw with Tampa Bay was, oh, let OJ walk. We'll mm-hmm. draft Cade Otten and just bring back Cameron Brait. That felt a lot like clearing space for Gronk. You know, just just a few backup players to sort of, you know, create a cushion for Gronk's return, but it didn't spell. We think Gronk is retiring. So that's where I thought Mm -hmm. he's coming back. I thought it was 50, 50 or whatever, but like the, um, the sort of the signs pointed that way. It was also like, he was just having a lot of fun out there. Gronk was, I'm like, he's just going to keep having fun until the, until the uh, preseason or whatever, and then just sort of like show up with a backpack and on a skateboard or something like that. But so now I figure maybe this was a, you know, cause he's a free agent, I think, right. Gronk, like he can go wherever the fuck he wants. And so that means he can sign for however much he wants. And I think this might've been one of those things. Like if he was thinking about coming back, maybe he was talking about it and they were like, yeah, yeah, totally. 2 million or whatever also, you know, and he's like, how about this? I retire motherfuckers. And now they've got to be like, Oh shit. And so maybe he's just driving up the price. Who knows? I mean, it, it, a lot of things could be at play. He could also be retired. Let me ask you this question. What are the chances he's coming back versus staying retired? Like if you had to put a percentage on it, cause I've got mine ready to go. What do you think of this? Honestly, I, it almost feels like he's just waiting for Godwin to come back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'd almost put it as high as like 30, 35%. Like it that feels what? high. 
that he's coming that he, back. That he's coming back. Yeah. Like, during I said the 25 season. to 33%. Like one in yeah. four, one in three, right in there. I agree yeah. with you 100%. Yeah, I think it's more likely he doesn't play again. Like, yeah. But I think it's close to 50 50 uh, that he plays again. I'm with you. Yep. I think that's right. 30 ish percent. Uh, I'd take those odds if it was uh, like one in four. I'd take it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah, think there's a good chance he comes back, especially when you know it's all happening. The the the, the you know the fervor of the season and Brady mm-hmm. calls him and is like, "Bro, we need you. We're gonna win a fucking yeah. Super Bowl." And he's like, "I need I help. Do. I only have Evans. Like, I need someone out there." Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we kind of agree on this shit. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so if that's the case, do you think that they? Because I think you even asked me about this. Do you think they bring? Um, uh, someone in or make a trade or what do you think? Do you think they do something? Uh, let me look real here. I'm, I'm going to do this live on the fly here, but tight uh, free agency. I don't even know if there's anyone worth Jared cook. Oh yeah. Jared cook. Maybe it wasn't you then. I, I forgot who asked Jimmy. Me, so we'll, Gr- yeah. Jimmy Graham. He's not Jimmy Graham. Now. We'll get to him in a moment. Uh, Blake uh, Jarwin. No, he's, he's broken. He's done. Jared yeah. cooks the guy. Like he's that veteran, yeah. like, on his last legs type of veteran dude that just knows the shit to do and whatever. Like that's the one that I, you know, they could call Buffalo and see what it would take to get uh, OJ Howard. <laughs> just get him back. <laughs> Dave, Dave you're welcome. Shouting you out two, two shows in a row now, buddy. Uh, but yeah, he, he tweeted that. I was an excellent tweet. Excellent tweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a trade out there that, 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 that could be made. I mean, possibly, I just don't know, but it, it seems like Jared Cook might make some sense if he actually is staying retired. Maybe um, Patriots trade him Johnny Smith. Um, Get rid of that contract. I, I actually thought about that a little <laughs> bit. Like that'd be kind of badass, wouldn't it? I just, I mean, I, I really like Johnny. So the fact that he like just was not used well by yeah. McDaniels was infuriating. Yeah. Especially when we paid him all that money, but and then when they did yeah. use him, he was kind of terrible. Like in a lot of situations, yeah, that that big drop where it was like uh, mm-hmm. right in his hands, pick six. Remember that? Well, oh, he had a, and he had a lot of bad luck play. plays too, because a couple of he his did. big plays got called back because like Kendrick Bourne like held or some yes. dumb shit. It like was that. a really like, tough luck season for him. I agree. And some yeah, of it was his shitty play. Some of it was usage. Yeah. Some of it was pen. Like a lot of yeah. contributing yeah. factors. It was bad. Um, <laughs> hey, getting back to Gronk. We're prepared for this one. We did this. I was going to say, is Gronk the greatest tight end of all time? Like, is Gronk the greatest tight end of all time? And before you answer that, before you answer that, we did a little exercise, didn't we now? We, uh, me, you, and Michael P. Duncan, we ranked the top 10 tight ends of all time. And uh, I don't know that we're... Um, qualified to do that. <laughs> I, um, I'm certainly not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I talked to them and they were like, uh, yeah, they both Googled fucking top 10 tight ends. I'll like you motherfuckers, but no, it was fine. It was fine. But, but it was a good exercise, I think, because it's like trying to figure out like, you know, who is the best tight end and, and how far down the list is this or that guy. So we kind of went through it and there's some honorable mentions for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let me start this way. We'll start with number 10. And this is kind of a, um, a, uh, a list of players, our consensus, me, Michael B. Duncan, and Dan. All right. Number 10, Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka, up until Kyle Pitts, had like the best rookie season 
of all tight ends of all time. And did you know that that rookie season for Mike Ditka was his best season of his career? I was actually just looking at his stats on a, a pro football reference, and it's actually kind of hysterical. It's like every year he gets like slightly worse. Steady decline <laughs> his entire career, yeah. He's a good player, though. I mean, made five Pro Bowls. Uh, you yeah. know, he was a hell of a player. One of the best uh, rookie seasons of all time. You know, and if you do look at his, his you know, his career, it just looks like a, you know, it's in the 60s. I mean, he played, his first year was 61. Yeah. His last and final season at age 33 was in 1972. I, you know, the, the the medical care and the, the, the amount of funding they had and the amount of money they made. I mean, it, it makes sense that he, his body would just, you know, be broken. And after he turned like 26, he was basically just all downhill from there. Yeah. It, it drops off a cliff pretty, 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 pretty poorly. Yes. But yeah, at the end of the, I mean, he's, yeah, his rookie year, I mean, and just kind of, you know, bringing a name and especially the way that he did it. And yeah, 61, I mean, thousand yards, 12 touchdowns. Right. Unbelievable. By the way, his, his, his rookie year at age 22 in Chicago in 1961, he went 56 catches, 1,076 yards, 12 touchdowns. That is a 19 yards per catch. Like, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> I mean, that is absolutely crazy. You know, he's probably 15 yards a target or some shit. Like, he was just off the hook. So, and that's when people say, oh, they didn't pass it back then. It's like, dude went off and had another great year to follow it up. And basically through, like, his first four years was just kind of dominant. Uh, oh, you know, ended his career with 13.6 yards per catch. Uh, Mike Dicka, number 10. I just love the fact. Yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, no, the 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 brown uh, the bear the bears that year had three thousand yeah. yards passing and he had a thousand of them. To there himself. you go. That's the point. It Love was like it. it's a really incredible season in context, and that's why it's ooh, that was the hardest part. I think didn't you find like trying to figure out like you know generation to generation like yeah yeah totally. Uh, the next guy number nine is uh, Ozzie Newsom. You know. Uh, I don't, he doesn't get any bonus points for being a dope GM either, I guess. But, uh, you know, yeah. geez, Louise, two, two great careers. Ozzie Newsome. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, where do I have it here? I just, I just had my notes up. Um, yeah. I mean, hall of famer, three-time pro bowler, all eighties hall of fame team. Like he was just regarded as like a very good player for his time. And I don't know, maybe part of my ranking was like, yeah, he's also a, he fucking runs an awesome ship in Baltimore. So like, yeah. like, but he, yeah, very good player. He's a little bit before my time. So it's not like I really got to see him play. Um, but what I know about him, a couple thousand yard seasons, you know, um, caught a lot of touchdowns for the time period again, but it's one of those guys that when you listen to some of the best football minds, they always bring him up as one yeah. of the best to do it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, even, you know, for, forever. How many 700 yard, five touchdown seasons, right? So just yeah. over 700 yards and five touchdowns. He did that five times. That's basically sixth, you know, as many as some guys who are ahead of him on this list, you know? Um, so really, really a solid player over the course of time. Um, he's one of 13 players who put up 6,500 receiving yards and over 45 touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, he definitely he definitely shows up, you know, statistically, mm -hmm. even though he played in a generation uh, where, you know, there wasn't as much, uh, you know, as much passing as there is today. So, yeah, Ozzie Newsome, number nine, number eight. Jason Witten, 
I had Witten the highest, by the way. You guys, uh, you guys both faded Jason Witten. I, it's one of those things. Do you do you rate apex or do you rate like lifetime achievement? Yeah, you know? and that's that's kind of where I. So I had him. I think I had him at ten. Yeah. Um. So in theory, I probably could have moved him above Dicka and Newsom. Um. But yeah, man, I think he has what the most games played, two hundred thirty nine games at tight end. I think he has right. I think he has one more than uh, Tony G. Um, but yeah, he just, I mean, ultimate kind of like stat collector, 13,000 yards or something along those lines. Like he just has like a ton of like really good consistent plays. He played all the time. I mean, his last season, he was a robot and that was tough to watch. Yeah. But (laughs) he, well, well, you just said it. Hey, he played 271. Oh, 271. 271. Tony Gonzalez with 270. So yeah, the most games played and you know, his yards per reception. He, did you know, Jason Witten never had a season over 12 yards a catch, but like he had like 10 at like 11, you know what I mean? He just had, he was just a metronome at, you know, at, at 11 yard catches just every single time. First down, first down, first down. 271 games. Um, you know, just to put that in perspective, because I was looking at this because we're going to talk about Rob Gronkowski. He played 271. Rob only played 143 games, so almost twice as many games played by by uh, Jason Witten. Obviously, Gronk played a more violent style, and uh, his body betrayed him over the years. But, man, oh, man, Jason Witten was the Lifetime Achievement Award. Put it this way. Um, you know, a guy we'll get to here pretty soon is uh, Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez, mm-hmm. 14 Pro Bowls, 14 Pro Bowls, right? Like that's fucking incredible. Yeah. Number two in NFL history is yeah. Jason Witten at 11. Yeah. So I, I just looked at Jason Witten and was like, you know what? He was the best, he, like, because he played with two guys that are at the top of this list, Gates and you mm-hmm. know Tony Gonzalez, and he was never like the number one guy. Even Jimmy Graham was there a little bit. Jimmy Graham yep. did not make this list. Um, just on the outside looking in, honorable mention. But like he, he had Jimmy Graham, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, some other players in his era, and he sort of was overshadowed. But his his steady excellence was pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was actually my note for him was like it was never fancy, but it was just like steady, eddy, consistent, really good production. Yep. Um, and that, that matters. It sure does, man. They, they <laughs> loved it. Hey, number seven was a guy I literally forgot and did not put him on the list till you guys told me I'm a donkey. Uh, there's a, an award named after him, John Mackey. Um, you know, he, he did fall short in a few of the raw counting stats, but you know, some of the stories told and, and, and when you guys, we had a little talk pre-show, uh, I, I wasn't going to fight you on it because it looked like he was kind of a dope player, especially when you look at his yards per catch. Um, yeah, I think it was like career 15 yards of catch or some shit like that. Tell us a little about John Mackey at number seven. Yeah, Mackey. Uh, so I had him all the way at, at five. Um, and my notes were he's only he only missed one career game. <laughs> That's uh, crazy, from what I from what I read, yeah. uh, he was the second true tight end to get elected into the Hall of Fame. And uh, my most important note for him was Bill Belichick said he was one of the best to ever do it. So I figured if Bill says it. It's got to be true. Yeah. Also tied for eighth with most Pro Bowls at five. So, you know, he's in that big group of guys who uh, had uh, five Pro Bowls. I'll tell you, you Raider fans out there, I'll give you a little uh, little red meat. I, I had Todd Christensen in my top uh, 10, and some of you Raider fans are probably just non-along being like, dude, that dude was fucking legit. Uh, also five Pro Bowls from 
from Todd Christensen, who a lot of people are like, who the fuck is Todd Christensen? But dude could ball. Uh, at number six, I had him a little higher. You guys had him a little lower. It's a tough guy to rank uh, is Travis Kelsey. You know, Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey now, now you're talking about, to me, this top six is like uh, unbelievable. Um, I think, um, you know, Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, what was he like five years straight? The fantasy oh, yeah. football wider uh, tight end one. So, I mean, he's putting up ungodly numbers over and over again. So as a pure receiver, you really have to put Kelsey way at the top, but my goodness, uh, I, I don't know how he's this far down. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, six straight a thousand yard seasons. Honestly, the only thing I wrote for him, cause I feel like, especially that he's playing, we all know him about, he's going to end up top three or four when it's yeah. all said and done. Um, I think he just has a couple years left to like put himself up there. And maybe I'm counting the fact that he's still playing a little bit against them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's amazing. It's, it's hard to, you can't knock his, his receiving profile at all. Uh, his blocking profile is, you know, he can block defensive backs and some second level linebackers. Okay. But you know, he's not, he's not a Rob Gronkowski put him on as a, you know, another tackle type. Well, type well that's where we're going to get when we get to the top two blocking will yeah. come into the conversation, but I had Kelsey yeah. all the way up at number three. I just think mm-hmm. what he's done as a receiver has been so impressive, but you know, our consensus ranking puts him here and it's, it's pretty tight with these next, next couple of guys. And we'll just keep going. So you guys can hear where we've got them. But after Travis Kelsey, Kellen Winslow and Shannon Sharp, both tied at uh, four and five here, um, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense. Cause these two guys are like, you know, uh, like reincarnation versions of one another. They were both just really, really dope slick receivers, strong and revolutionary players, right? Yeah, that's, I guess you, I had very similar notes for them is they both kind of were like predecessors to the Gonzalez, Kelsey, Gronk, Gates, like type type mold of, of being actual, like real elite playmakers right. uh, for their time. Uh, yeah, Winslow averaged 61 yards a game, like, you know, a thousand yards. Shannon Sharp has a playoff resume of 62 catches for eight one eight fourteen and four touchdowns. So like they were just both really, really great players and they kind of especially opened the door for, you know, hopefully what we're seeing is more elite tight end play. Yeah. And, and we, I, I mentioned that stats, 700 receiving yards and five touchdowns. How many seasons did they do it? Both uh, mm-hmm. Winslow and Sharp both did it five, same as Ozzie Newsome, same as Jimmy Graham. So, you know, that, 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 that shows up. That's basically sixth in NFL history, you know. So these guys are are right there, very very prolific, consistent seasons of excellence over the course of time. Uh, number and doing it, yeah. Go ahead. I would say, and you know, doing it at a time when passing isn't like it is today, yes. and I think that counts when they're it they're producing count. at those levels. Yes. and it just it's it was it's not the same game. No, <laughs> it sure isn't. <laughs> Um, they're also, um, of course, on the list of the, the, the 13 tight ends who had 6,500 receiving yards and 45 touchdowns in their career. Um, Kellen Winslow, you know, is basically kind of a carbon copy of, uh, you know, of Travis Kelsey in a sort of per touch per game basis, which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah. actually Shannon Sharp a little bit further down, although he played a little bit more, but whatever, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting to, to sort of, when you start trying to figure out who you like better, um, it gets pretty thin, but we talk about that 700 yard 
and five touchdowns. The top three on this list, well, Gronk gets cut short, but he's he's up there. Kelsey's up there. Witten's up there. But the mm-hmm. two, the next two on the list, I just said like you know, Gronk did it six times. Jimmy Graham five times. Tony Gonzalez did it thirteen times. And number three on the list, Antonio Gates did it nine times. Like these guys yeah. were just absolutely dope for a really long period of time. And you could say that they're both better than Gronk. We put them Gates. Gonzalez than Gronk. I know some people will probably say we're crazy, but it's just whether or not you value the ceiling. Because when you look at all these players, like Gronkowski averaged 15 yards a catch for his career. Everybody else on that 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 list, the 13 tight ends who who had 6,500 uh, receiving yards and 45 touchdowns in their career are all 13 or less. So like he mm-hmm. was just so much better on a per play basis. And that shows up when you watch him. I mean, he was just the most dominant tight end. So to me, for that reason, he was the best. But the most accomplished two tight ends, absolutely Tony Gonzalez one, Antonio Gates two. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Um just you know, Gates still has the most touchdowns, right? I mean, third in receptions, third in yards. Gonzalez has the most y- receptions, most yards, second in touchdowns. Like they were amazing. Yes. Uh, what separates it to me, obviously, and I got to watch him play his whole career, uh, was Gronk was that type of player catching the ball, but was also another offensive lineman yes. when he sat when he set up in line. And at the end of the day, that's what made him just such a force is that he would throw dudes out of the club and then go and catch a bomb and run run people over. And you know, he he's just a specimen. Yeah, he was a he was a A plus run game asset as well as an A plus pass game asset. Like mm. true. It's so true. Like a lot of these guys on this list were, hey, these are pretty good blockers. They're okay at this, you know? None of them were the best blocking tight end in the NFL like like Gronk was. Like literally, he was the best blocking tight end, pass blocking and run blocking. Like he just changed the game in so many ways. And then he, you know, 15 yards a catch. The touchdown right i mean he almost has as many touchdowns as uh gates and gonzalez in like half the games like he has a hundred and uh 143 games they have a, a 236 and 270 he's right there with them they have 116 yeah. 111 he's at 92 like just the amount of touchdowns yards per catch uh the amount of dominance that gronk put on 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 uh on wax for Albeit a shorter period of time and injuries have to come into play. But if you had him on, on the field, he was the apex predator. He was Randy Moss uh, of the, you know, of the tight end position. So Gronk, come on back. Let's get you over a hundred touchdowns. Let's uh, let's make it a sure thing that you're the, the, the best tight end of all time. But at this particular yes. point, you could make a, a very solid argument for Gates or Gonzalez over him. Yeah. But not. Yeah. All three are amazing. What I mean, <laughs> What are you gonna say? Like, no, no, you're wrong. Gates is one. It's like, all right, cool. He's really good too. <laughs> yeah. Well, like anybody who's a little bit older, like remembers how good Gates and, and Gonzalez were in fantasy football. You were just like, oh my god, yeah. For years too. That's the other thing. Like, you just, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Like, what did I say about um uh the Pro Bowls too or whatever? It's like, hold on, uh, fourteen Pro Bowls for Tony. <laughs> Pro Bowls for Gonzalez. Like unbelievable and and 13 seasons of over 700 receiving yards and five touchdowns. And I know it doesn't sound like a big number, but like, it's like the number goes 13, nine, seven, seven, six. Like there's just no, like there's nobody who's done that. So like the, the 
the the excellence that Gonzalez was for a long period of time is really kind of unbelievable. I mean, I remember too, we're like, is this the year he's going to fall off? And then he'd just go for 800 yards and eight touchdowns. You're like, nope, not nope. this year. <laughs> yep. He'd exactly. do this for 10, 15 years. And he did. Honestly, <laughs> he's the Tom Brady of fucking tight end play, I guess. Um, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. So there we go. So that's the, uh, that's the uh, top 10 tight ends of all time. Speaking of dominating tight ends, you know, there's a couple of guys, honorable mentions like Kyle Pitts and players that play today, right? No, seriously. Like, you know, I mean, no, 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 I'm just saying like, you know, I threw him in there like, you know, in, in, in in the, you know, I mean, he's going to be, I mean, you would think, but you know, I had Kittle pretty close because he's also a great blocker, but a guy that just put up a huge season and is starting to, to, to knock on the door of contention is Mark Andrews. Do you think he repeats his 2021 performance or do you think that was a little bit of a mirage? I, I don't think he repeats. Right. Um, I mean, he had yeah 153 targets. I mean, I just, I would be shocked if he got that again. Um, and, and not to jump ahead, cause I know we're going to talk about RB next, but uh, you know, Mr. Bateman. Um, but no, I think he he's still locked in, you know, a top three, you know, dynasty tight end, one of the top three or four for redraft. Um, you know, he he's a red zone. He's a touchdown magnet, you know, 10, 7, and 9. Like, he's going to do well. Uh, I just, I don't know. The team was so, so ravaged by running back injuries, especially that, you know, they've been trending more towards passing, but. I would imagine with Dobbins and Gus back, that's going to get cut back maybe a little bit and even, or just total plays run is going to get cut back a little bit. So I don't think the counting stats are going to be there the same way that they were this year or this past year. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he, he he played 15 games a couple years ago and and saw 98, basically a hundred targets. He played 14 last year, saw 88. So, you know, pretty close to 90. I played 17, saw 153. I think if you kind of, Average all that shit together. I think it's probably somewhere in the 120, 130 targets. Um, yeah, and that, yeah feels, that feels right. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't think he sees 153 either, although we certainly see that that ceiling is possible. But, you know, his yards per target have been pretty consistent. I mean, he's 8.9 for his career. He was 8.9 this last season. So I think, you know, he's going to – I mean, he's going to get 1,000 yards probably and, you know, flirt with 10 touchdowns. So I think he's a, mm-hmm. a really, really solid play. But I think if you're looking for that, you know, 100 catch, 1400 yard, 10 touchdown season, you know, that would be a a fool's errand, I think. But I think he's definitely coming back um, and will be a very, very strong play again this year, uh, again, outside of injury. Um, You mentioned it. Oh, go ahead, man. Oh, no, no. I I agree with you. I think uh, he's still going to be a very good play, especially with the state of tight end. Yeah, Uh, I just, yeah, wouldn't don't don't expect a, a repeat year. No, absolutely. Well, you said it, man. You were going to Rashad Bateman. I mean, this may be uh, where, where you're where you're thinking. I mean, uh, it, I mean, look. There's I always say like there's only he's either gonna, Rashad Bateman's either going to like hit what everybody thinks he's going to do, or he's going to disappoint. You know what I mean? It's like there's no in between. Um, what do you think happens? He's going to disappoint us in 2022, or what? I mean, God, I hope not. He's right. I don't think who, so. I mean, I mean, it's Mark Andrews and and no one. Like right. James Proch or whatever the hell, like Proche, yeah. Duvernay, like I mean, yeah, uh, I mean they traded away Marquise Brown to yeah. to make room for Bateman. So he, in theory, he should smash. Um, and Mar- yeah, Marquise Brown had 146 targets last right. year. So you'd think Bateman's going to be in that 140 to 150 range, 
So if, I mean, Marquise Brown can go 91, a thousand, there's no reason why Bateman can't match that. And realistically, I think we agree or believe that he's better than Brown. So I would, I would like to think that he should, he should definitely match and, and frankly do better. Um, I'm really big on Bateman. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right with, you know, with, with uh, sort of replacing uh, the Marquise Brown targets with, you know, Rashad Bateman. I, I think yeah, I'd probably put them both right around 120 to 130 targets, be, meaning uh, Andrews and Bateman. And, and maybe they see more than that. You know, I think uh, uh, it was either pre-show or at some point you were talking about Lamar, you know, not, not, not having as many pass attempts. Of course they, they did have over 600 pass attempts last year, which I think comes down based off of, you know, the fact that I think you even alluded to it, they want to run the football more Dobbins and Gus Edwards back. So yeah, um, I was, I was thinking like they bought, they, they, they uh, drafted both uh, Kolar and Isaiah likely. I think they want to play two tight end sets. Uh, They used to have that Nick Boyle kid who'd blow out his knee, who was like, you know, a blocking tight end. Who yeah. who knows? I mean, they they, they failed on the uh, Josh Oliver, uh, you know, opportunity. He did not come through. So I think they're looking for the ability to play two tight end. Let Mark Andrews sort of play slot, if you will, and Rashad Bateman outside. And all they need is one other guy, whether it's like you said, Prochet or Duvernay or whoever the hell else, right? So I think that's yeah. kind of the way they'd like to play. Um, but that remains to be seen. Just how many targets gets funneled to Bateman, but you would think it'd be the lion's share of all the wide receiver targets. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's definitely going to be that funnel offense. Like we saw in Kansas city where it's Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, and then everyone else is not really worth it. Yeah. Speaking of the running backs though, Dobbins, uh, interesting. Like, you know, I, right now in best ball, like on underdog, he's going at like the RB 21 as his ADP, which is like a fifth round pick. Like, I really like that. Uh, he's RB12 in Dynasty. Um, do you like uh, Dobbins at that value or or what? You know, for for Dynasty, I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, I still really like him. I think he's, he's a very good player in an amazing run game system. I mean, we know that. Um, I think Lamar actually hurts him slightly yeah. just because he runs so much that he actually sees, uh, you know, just more stack boxes for that. But I mean, we know that it it's a great running system, even if it's not going to be a crazy 250 type carries, because that's just not really how they work it for this year. I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit off him. Uh, I mean, at RB 21, I don't really mind it. I think that's, that's a fine value. But I think we just we know um, for a long time now that running backs the first year back off an ACL, yeah. yep, it's just not not usually good. good. No, it's not usually good. You're right. So, yeah, I, I think <sighs> sucks he'll perform because I think of the system and he is a good player. But I think a lot of people are maybe getting a little bit over their skis with how good he can be um, when we just know historically running backs, ACLs. I mean, we just saw Barkley. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. he's next year is when Dalvin, I really, really Dalvin was bad. Yeah, it, no, yeah. I agree, man. The running backs coming back from that ACL is a great point. And yeah, that's maybe why I'm a little bit nervous with him too. I mean, huge upside. I mean, he's got that yeah. like 20 touchdowns on the ground upside type of thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. 
that's in the range of outcomes. I, I understand that's not likely. I'm not saying that, oh, he probably will get 20 touchdowns. I'm not saying that at all, but like Damon Harris, 15. That's that yeah, could that, easily uh, be Dobbins. Yeah. I mean, this, this team should be good and mm-hmm. they like to run the football. And, you know, it, it was funny too. Like when I was looking at Dobbins in this offense before the 2020 season, you know, when he got drafted, you know, Lord knows I love Dobbins. And um, I was looking at like, all of their running backs, all of them, like all of them with Lamar average over six yards a carry or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable, you know, like, you know, all over five is what I meant. But, you know, even Dobbins got the six, you know, it's like just unbelievable. These all these guys are just, you know, it's such an efficient rushing attack with with yeah. Lamar because the linebackers can't, you know, they can't play too aggressively. They have to play on their heels a little bit. Otherwise, they get burned for, you know, 50 yards from Lamar just, you know. Uh, reading an over-aggressive linebacker. So, yeah, it's just it's interesting. You know, they have to play on their heels just a bit. And, yeah. you know, if Dobbins is healthy, he's got a big uh, a, a big season in front of him. But I think mm-hmm. you're right, man. It's a little bit scary to, to draft him at RB12 in Dynasty. That feels a little aggressive. But RB21 in best ball or redraft, like, I'm okay taking that chance because the upside's there. Mm-hmm. If he's healthy, yeah. great. If he's not, you know, you kind of know what you got. You can move on. It's a fifth-round pick. Yeah. And that's in the the linebacker part is it's like a weird it's a funny conundrum that there's there more stacked boxes but yeah. because of Lamar at the same time it's not it doesn't play the same way as when you know the Patriots would have Sony Michelle in it's like well we know they're gonna run it so even though that they're there it's it doesn't act the same way it is a weird catch twenty two yeah and speaking of injured running backs mm-hmm. you know one coming off a knee in Dobbins the other one coming off. The foot in ETN. Who do you prefer in Dynasty, Dobbins or Travis ETN? In Dynasty, I'm a Dobbins guy. Yeah. Um, it's at the end of the day, we know ACLs happen; they suck, but it's not really a career ender at this point for the most right. part. Um, ETN's foot injury can can be pretty bad, and in, yeah. there is a history of if it fucks people up, and they yes. just don't come back the same way. Um, weirdly enough, I think I almost might be ETN over Dobbins in, in redraft hmm. just for, and, and I mean, medically, I, I, I haven't really looked into it or I haven't talked to like Hutchinson or, or people right. like that about it, but I think he might have a higher ceiling this year just because yep. Jacksonville is so wide open, Yep. but in, in dynasty, I'm very much a, a Dobbins over ETN guy. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and you're right, ETN, has there been a sort of bigger risk reward play mm. like in years? Like, you know, because like his upside, I mean, we saw it in Clemson, like he, you know, he can catch the football and he's just explosive. And, you know, they, they talk about using him in multiple ways, you know, so much of the talk, you know, but if he's yeah, healthy and he can actually perform with that speed and explosion that we've seen him, you know, for years in college, if he can be that player in this offense, I'm pretty fucking excited, but if that foot is a problem or it recurs or he's, you know, got to come mm-hmm. off the field and miss several weeks and yada, yada, he's just dealing with it. And it's nagging foot injury. Yada. You know, you could see the the downside could be just oh, really yeah. brutal, you know, an awful season and then tanking down his dynasty value, et cetera, et cetera. So I can see both sides of this. Like I can see a top five running back or a guy that you're like, wondering if he's ever going to play, you know, like because of the injury. Uh, also, this team is a little bit of a, a of a question mark. And that's kind of like my next question is like, can the Jaguars be a good team this year? Or the, is that not even possible? I, I, I don't know what to make of this team. Uh, I mean, 
doubtful (laughs) maybe i mean i just like christian like christian kirk right and i honestly i love the fact that they gave him that contract and it just completely fucking blew everything up in the nfl for wide receivers i love it i think i love the chaos but like kirk is okay he's like he was good but i don't he's not a one right um I was honestly never really a big LaVisca Chenault guy. Uh, I know a lot of people in the fantasy community were. Uh, I think you might have been, but um, I, I just, it never really clicked for me. Zay Jones, no. Um, like Marvin's actually a pretty good real life player, but I just, Jacksonville is just, they're always inept in, in some yeah. way. The the amount of dysfunction that they have in their organization. Yeah. They're just, they're really hard to, to bet on. Yeah. I mean, they do have a Super Bowl winning coach, uh, you know, there now. So I think, you know, if anything, hopefully they can kind of, he can help steady the ship a bit. I mean, I don't know that he's a strong enough, you know, uh, presence to sort of change all the dysfunction that's historically been there. I guess just on paper, are they even good enough? That's what I wonder. Like, as you point out, it's like, I'm not sure. And you know, I, I don't know that it necessarily matters for, you know, fantasy football to, to know if they're how good they can be. But I think it does to some degree, because, you know, when I start to project this team, it's like, how good's their defense? I mean, how, how much are they throwing the football? They threw a football a ton last year. They just, you know, which is kind of still amazing that Chenault was kind of a disappointment in that offense. Yeah. It's really kind of strange because <laughs> now they've like they've signed guys in front of them like Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, man, LaVisca is a, is a, is a, I, I, I'm nervous about LaVisca, but you know, they've got all four of those guys. And then the guy that, you know, especially Coop, I think he put me mm-hmm. on was, yep. was Evan Ingram. Cause Evan Ingram could very easily lead this team in targets. What do you think the chances of him leading this team in targets are? I'll be honest. Uh, you know, the past few days, cause I, so I, I've, you know, I, listened and that was a really good episode with coop yeah and he was when you guys were talking about evan ingram i was sitting there in my car like shit i think i think he's right yeah. i i think this like and i he convinced me he yeah. he very much convinced me that me too. i think uh, maybe not lead the team in targets i i don't know i might not be there but i'm very much in now on like evan ingram like late tight end like sleeper type pick um because yeah, no, like, no one's really there in his way, and we do know he has like the ability if he, you know, actually catches the ball and, and stops dropping it all the time. But I, I really Ingram's probably my favorite player there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you uh, if you listen to like JJ Zacharias and he talks about mm-hmm. where to find these, you know, the the, the sleeper tight ends or the, yep. you know, the. You know, and he's always talking about like if there's not a like wide receiver one in the way of the you know and all these things, and it's like the the seas certainly open for um you know for Evan Ingram here. I think for sure, um you know do you do you like uh, Christian Kirk at all? I mean, I, I find myself like the only one in any of my leagues who thinks Christian Kirk is worth shit. Like I've included him in a couple trades, thinking I'm selling high. And like people are like, yeah, fuck you. I don't even want him at all. And I'm like, whoa, really? Like, I feel like, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I people offer me like a third straight up back form. Like what the fuck are you oh, talking no, about? That's, like that's too low. No, but you know what I mean? I'm like, what, what is yeah. going on? Like people just don't want him. They're like, yeah, I'm not interested in Kirk at all. 
you know, that's their feedback a lot of the times when I include him in a trade. So I've just kind of been holding him because I think, you know, I think he's more valuable than, or I think he's mm-hmm. going to have a better season than where people are valuing him now. I don't think he's going to be like this amazing player, but he's been, uh, he's actually a pretty precocious little, little uh, football player. Don't, don't you think Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram will be the two sort of leading target getters there or, or, you, or, oh, yeah. you know, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, very much. I mean, so that I, you know, the thing, I mean, Marvin Jones led with 120 targets last year. Uh, Kirk has topped out at 108 and then 103. So, but you know, he was behind DeAndre Hopkins, so I can't really fault him for, for that. Um, I, I just, I don't know how he's going to operate like going up against the, you know, cornerback one. Right. And, and how he can deal with that. Right. But he should be, I mean, yeah, I mean, they threw the ball freaking, yeah, 600 times last year. Right. I mean, he should, which is, yeah, this is kind of insane to like just, hey, Trevor Lawrence, just like out to the wolves for you. But yes. yeah, he should easily get into the 120, 130 range. LaVisca had 100 targets last year. That's actually shocking. Yeah, it's like AJ That's Green shocking. and LaVisca Chenault, the most like shocking 100 target, uh, you know, yeah. You can't believe it happened. He's like, how the fuck did he get a hundred targets? Did he not catch any of them? I don't remember a single thing he did last year. I mean, so yeah, true. that's a rough. So, I mean, you would, you would think it would stand to reason that the person they just gave like an exorbitant amount of money to is going to, to lead in targets. Yeah. Um, and then Evan Ingram, I think is going to be right there at number two. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and uh, maybe it's like, that's why ETN tends to get it, get me excited a little bit because like mm-hmm. he could be like, he could be an 80 or 90 target player. Like it's certainly possible. I'm not saying it's predictable. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, I'm going to project him somewhere at like, you know, 50 or something, but, but like, it's possible that he ends up, you know, with a, with a really serious target uh, count when it's all said and done, especially when you yeah. consider the relationship he has with Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence also, I think is a buy at this. Well, I don't know about a buy. I mean, certainly if you're buying low, I think he's a buy because you know, yeah. he had probably yeah. the absolute stone worst possible situation with, you know, uh, Urban, yeah. Urban Meyer last year <laughs> and this dysfunctional team and a bad team and a, not a very good offensive line and terrible play calling, no infrastructure, yada, yada, right? The list goes on. Now he gets a little bit more. He's year two. He gets ETN back. They did actually spend some money getting, you know, Christian Kirk and, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever Zay Jones is worth, they didn't need to do that necessarily, <laughs> but whatever, that's beside, they could have had, uh, checks notes, DJ Chark, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 right. You know, wow. isn't that crazy? Um, but um, at, at the end of the day, they, they did try to put something around and they did give him a more stabilizing, uh, you know, head coach. So there, there could be a little bit of arrow up here, especially for Trevor Lawrence. You buying into that? Yeah, I, I do. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, his, yeah, his profile coming out of college was just so high and, you know, everyone loved him. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, just, just dealing with urban Meyer alone is insane. And then when you as add in everything else and I, I like him, I'm not sure exactly what, what is his cost? I guess that would be my question. Like if you go to like, like a keep trade cut, what's, what's Trevor Lawrence at? Uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback 11 on keep trade cut, which I find, you know, this is what I'm talking about. Like. Right now, Trey Lance is the quarterback eight. 
Uh, and I actually often see him going ahead of even Dak Prescott, who's the quarterback seven. Like, so like mm-hmm. Trey Lance, I, I feel like right now, Trey Lance and um, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, those three players who are like right now, quarterback eight, quarterback 11 and quarterback 12 respectively on keep trade cut. And quite frankly, they are drafted in those spots almost always or very, very close to them in dynasty startups, but I don't see them being traded at those values. Uh, have you found the same thing in the leagues you're in? I, I find that Trey Lance is drafted in the first round of dynasty Superflex startups, but you can never, I never see him traded for the type of value that's close to like what Lamar and Kyler and these guys get traded for. Have you seen the same mm-hmm. thing? Yeah, I know. And you were, you guys, you and Nate were talking at that uh, last pod. You're we like, yeah. it's, it's insane where he's getting drafted. Um, yeah. And honestly, in my leagues, I don't, I don't even see those guys getting moved right. because I think the the person that has Lance is the absolute pie in the sky. Like he's, you know, Lamar Jackson light. Um, I feel like Trevor Lawrence still want to give up too early. Uh, I did actually just get Fields. Um, I ended up. I I don't know if you're in that league or not, but I uh, like last week, two weeks ago, I traded Deshaun Watson for Justin Fields and a 23 second. Yeah, you offered me that trade for Tua. I did. That's yeah. right. I did. Which I thought was a smart trade to get off him. Just sort of, I, yeah. you know, hey, let me let me move down. Let me pick up an asset. Let me mm. get a player that's actually going to play this year. I thought it was a pretty good smart trade. For me, that's that three quarterback league uh, or, you know, mm. up to. It's basically a double super flex. So yeah. um, that one was like, I was like, eh, I think I'm going to hang on to the actual starter in Tua. Uh, and yep. my pick. So yeah, I understood it. it was a good trade. I, I, I thought about it. And when it, when it happened with, I think it was Beasy, I was like, that makes all the sense in the world. It's a good, it's a good move. You know, um, yeah. you know, you yeah, get a pick, you, you, you get off Watson and, and you just hope for the, you know, fields to come, you know, come through. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just wanted to be done with that whole freaking scenario. Yeah. It makes um, sense. I mean, it's getting a little bit worse and, you know, you're sort of buying low on fields. Obviously, if he plays mm-hmm. well, then you did great. If he, you know, flames out, whatever, what are you going to do? But yeah, at his current easy. value, I think it was a great, a great trade. Way easier to root for. Because <laughs> even on keep trade cut right now, they, they've got Deshaun Watson behind those players, right? Two is quarterback yeah. 16, Deshaun's quarterback 18. I know a lot of that is because it's a very reactionary, um, mm-hmm. you know, keep trade cut is that way. But I, but I oh, at yeah. least think they're in the same sort of, tier one way or the other. So you got the profit yeah, and there's some uncertainty around Watson as there is around fields as there is around Tua. So, you know, you're yeah. just trading um, uncertainties, but picking up a pick to, to go along for your troubles. So Trevor Lawrence falls in that same bucket of just a bunch of guys that like, we, we aren't sure, but I, I would say the pedigree of, of Trevor Lawrence and the fact that he was the 1.01. I mean, he is definitely tied to opportunity. He's going to play yeah. through this year. I thought he was pretty good. Um, th- th- you know, this past year, like you said, he threw a 600 times. I think it's gonna be good in terms of Evan Engram. I got to ask you, uh, because we're talking redraft. Let's just talk redraft for a moment. Mm-hmm. Pause. My favorite. What? Charger. Mr. Mom over here. Fuck. <laughs> so it wasn't in here. All right. Thanks for checking though. All right, get out of here. Love you, though. Talking redraft, though. I got to ask you, Evan Engram, we'll play a little little this or that, right? Yeah. Evan Engram in redraft, 
or Logan Thomas? Uh, I just want to say quickly, uh, Redraft yeah. is my favorite. I love yes. Redraft. Uh, so with that, uh, Evan Ingram, easy. Yeah, Evan Ingram or Tyler Higby? Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram or Noah Fant? Evan Ingram, if Baker becomes the quarterback for Fant, then still still probably Evan Ingram, but ah, that one's tough. All those guys are ahead of Evan Ingram in ADP, I think, or yeah, you know, certainly Higby and Fant are. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask no. you this next one, but it probably doesn't even make sense, but Evan Ingram or Austin Hooper? Obviously, Ingram. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Hooper is, like, there's also no one in Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, right now, their number one option is Traylon Burks, who has asthma and is, like, overweight and can't practice, which I know it's still very early, but still. Um, Bobby Trees is hurt, and I don't know when exactly he's expected back. So I think Hooper is probably another late target that is a great option that I would absolutely skip Thomas and Higby and fan. I would rather have those two versus any of the other guys. Yeah. Hooper is this guy that like, you know, it's funny because I was like writing him off, writing him off, writing him off. And then Hooper feels like the Evan Ingram of Tennessee. It's like, Mm -hmm. just as you pointed out, I mean, you said it perfectly. It's like, it's just like, there's just nobody there. He's definitely going to be the most experienced target option on the team. Like, yep. yeah, it's just incredible. Like maybe, you know, they've got a couple rookies and uh, Nick, whatever's a keen or whatever, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. right. They, it's like, they don't have, you know, until Robert Woods gets back, which, you know, I, again, these, these injuries are hard to, to figure when they come back. So especially, I think his was also mid to late season that, that he popped it. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's Austin Hooper might be a, 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 I mean, it's crazy. Crazier things have happened that Austin Hooper just steps up. It's just nuts. I don't, I just don't know what to make of this Tennessee team. And speaking of which Derrick Henry, look, I'm mm. super, super scared. I've seen, I saw Derrick Henry go for a 23 first in a dynasty league just today. That happened. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I was like, whew, 23 first all day long for me. I'm looking at, yeah sell out of Derrick Henry. And the question is, obviously, if you're a rebuilder, of course, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're selling, of course, I get it. But I'm talking about if you are a contender, are you trying to buy low or are you a dynasty sell low on Derrick Henry at this point? Um, if I'm a contender, I'm absolutely not going to sell low um, purely for the fact that like he he's a type of running back that you – because a first is unlike like the fact that someone yeah, got a first unlike. for him is amazing. Yeah. Yep. So realistically, the best you're probably looking at is like what, like two seconds, maybe. Or, or, or you know, maybe you got to give something a little bit more back to get the twenty three first. You know, first. I mean, uh, you know, maybe. But if Derek, you're a contender, you don't want to be giving right even more I know. pieces. I know. So, and then I was thinking about the trade where you can maybe trade down to like, you know, I mean, here's the thing: like J.K. Dobbins or Derrick Henry, like as a contender. Well, that's the thing. So in right, the dynasty lens would be J.K. Dobbins easy. But if I'm a contender, this year Derrick Henry has league winning again capabilities versus J.K. Dobbins to me. I know his yeah. foot, the metal plates and the everything. Foot fucking scares me though, Dan. And maybe yeah. I'm just stupid. I mean like, No, no, no. I mean I agree with you. Know, you. I just I think I saw it. It did not look good. 
Yeah. It is now going to be closer to 30. Like, look, at some point mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And it may not be this year, but I think I'd rather be ahead of it than behind it. And I think I'd rather sell out to like, you know, I mean, if I can get Miles Sanders plus, I think it's a better, better move. Like, I know I sound mm-hmm. stupid right now, but I'm telling you, I think I would want to sell, sell low on Henry because if he hurts himself at all, if he pulls a hamstring, if he does anything at any point in the first four, five, six weeks, it's like his dynasty value is like basically next to nothing. Yeah. Well, and I think the hard part too is that, and especially in dynasty and, you know, the, the ageism that occurs there, especially with running backs, his, his values are already a little bit lower just because of his age now. Yeah. And that's why so, I said sell low because you're not going to sell high. There's no sell high. I mean, the only yeah. possible sell high is week one. He goes out. Who do they play week mm-hmm. one? Let's, let's look that one up. Cause that's the, that's the way, right? It's like, yeah, he runs know, for 200. Yeah, exactly. If, <laughs> Get him the fuck yeah. off my team. <laughs> yes, exactly. He goes for 200 and two touchdowns. It's like, now that's the yep. sell high, but like you kind of need that. Otherwise it's like, you know, a, a, a problem, I think. So I don't know, man, I, I'm just a little bit dubious of how they play the giants, which I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty good matchup. Yeah. 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 I just, I, I, I very much understand. And the foot does scare me. That's why, like, I know you have a ton of chestnut and I, I know I have a lot of Hassan Haskins. Yeah. Like, Cause we're betting that it could happen. Um, Correct. and who knows who the actual number two is. Um, I get it. And I just, at the same time, I think like if I'm really contending, Henry has upside that very few running backs have. And I actually have, I am very much in this predicament where I have a team where I have Henry that is probably a, it's not a locked in, like it's not a surefire contender, but I'm right there. And, you know, I have to kind of make that decision within the first like two or three weeks, probably, or maybe first couple of weeks. I just, if I know like my team's a contender, and especially if I'm an aging team already, you know, I just, I look to Henry's upside and it's so hard to think about like, yeah, maybe I could transition to a Miles Sanders that, you know, if he stays healthy, he could be really good. But, you know, his contract situation after next year, who the fuck knows? Right. And it's like Henry's in the same boat of like, he's old and like, does his foot hold up? Who knows? But if it does, he he smashes, and that helps win you that championship. I think we're seeing like right now on keep trade cut. Derrick Henry is the running back seventeen. Um, I will ask you. We'll play a little this or that with um, Derrick Henry in Dynasty. You know who do you prefer? Miles Sanders or Derrick Henry straight up? Um, straight up. I, God, I'd have to go Henry. I, 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 this is so tough because I, I don't want to hate Miles Sanders. I really don't. I just feel like he's also like not a bastion of health and Philly. I don't know if I trust them. And then running backs on their second contracts are always screwy to begin with. So if I'm, and, and honestly, in Dynasty, a lot of my running back takes are almost more year to year, two years at most, because so much changes, right? It, it's so, it's that position, especially so fluid. I, I, Henry, I have to go Henry. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, what about James Conner, 27 years old, or Derrick Henry? It's taking Henry. you a second. This is crazy. James Conner, RB27 in Dynasty, right? So that's my yeah. point. It's like, you yeah. know, you almost... almost well, because I'm thinking about this year. What about Zeke or Derrick Henry? Uh, Zeke has, what, two years left for his contract? Right, basically, yeah. This year he, and next. I, you know, honestly, I think I'd probably go Zeke yeah. purely for the fact of he's he's relatively healthy. He plays hurt, and he's going to be a RB16. Earlier in the offseason, I traded Derrick Henry for Ezekiel Elliott plus a couple picks, like seconds like or that. thirds or whatever. And yeah, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I was just trying to get off Henry and try and just keep mm-hmm. pushing the ball down the hill. And what about in Dynasty, Derrick Henry or Leonard Fournette? Ugh. I'm not a big, like, I, uh, oh, Derrick Henry. I just, okay. I mean, in redraft, probably a little bit closer. Um, I feel all, like all of these players are behind him, too, like in, in yeah. Kedre Cut anyway, you know. Like, what about yeah, yeah. Derrick Henry or Aaron Jones? <sighs> it's tough. Yeah, I know, because, right, you'd think, like, oh, it's Derrick Henry. And actually, I, I, honestly, my my Aaron Jones thing is kind of like I DM'd you the other day. I'm like, well, he, he could fucking get 100 targets this year. Right. <laughs> like, that's the, that's, the <laughs> like, that's right. So so in theory, like in, in that sense, like I like Aaron Jones a lot for the potential. Um, I just hate this situation. What about Derrick Henry or David Montgomery in Dynasty? Montgomery. Yeah, it starts to get... By the way, AJ Dillon right here. AJ Dillon or Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. AJ Dillon situation, he is like climbing up. He's RB18 here. I think people are really excited about this AJ Dillon situation. I'm I'm not out on AJ Dillon, but this is a high price tag. It's uh you're seeing it. I've I've noticed it over the last couple of weeks. The AJ Dillon hype train yeah. and Mike Williams has really come out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's it's really funny to see like it pick up steam and like another like analyst like Mike Williams, Mike Williams, AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon. It's like, oh, you're just it's just like someone says it and it cycles and it cycles and it cycles. So what about like Kenneth Walker or Derrick Henry? In Dynasty, I'd I'd go Kenneth Walker. Yeah. I mean rookie, I like the I'm I'm not like Penny's gone after this year. So yeah, yeah Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I mean, so I feel like, you know, Derrick Henry is appropriately valued and, and a lot of the guys behind him. I mean, I feel like, would you trade uh, down to like Antonio Gibson? You know, would you take De- Antonio Gibson in like two thirds or Antonio Gibson in a second for Henry? I would. I mean, geez, I might need to update my rankings. So right now, like my dynasty rankings, I have Hen- Henry 14 and I have Gibson 15. So I'm probably too high on Gibson. I'm the highest on Gibson. I'm probably too high, but yeah, if I could trade down and get a couple of picks, I like that. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I guess I, I keep looking at it. It's like, you know, Derek Henry, um, it just look as much as I, I love the player. I feel like, mm. first of all, like he's had legend, legendary seasons of output and still was like, you know, RB four, RB five, right? Like, you yeah. know, if he doesn't get everything that he's gotten, uh, he's very easily a like middling RB two, and then you have the injury stuff. So like he basically has to absolutely smash 
to win mm-hmm. your league for you. And I just, I think those days are behind them. I think the team is worse. I don't, you know, they, they lose AJ Brown. I don't think they're as yeah. multiple on offense. Uh, you know, I don't know, man, Th- they just feel like they're about to maybe take a little step back. And if they take mm-hmm. a little step back, he takes a little step back. His foot ain't the same. I don't know. I just, I just see it all coming apart at some point. And look, I get it. He could run for 2000 yards and mm-hmm. 20 touchdowns and stuff it all the way down my throat on this one. But you know, I just don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm more out than in. I'd rather sell down to, you know, or if I had to sell up a little bit, you know, Derek Henry yeah, and a nice. couple picks to get me to mix in or something, whatever, you know, I'm just, yep. you know, get me the hell off this train as soon as possible, just so I can, you know, uh, use what value I have left to get them into something that is just as likely or just about as likely mm-hmm. to score as many fantasy points this coming year as he is. Like, that's why I like Fournette. Cause like, you know, you could probably sell down quote unquote to Fournette and it's like just as likely that Fournette scores as many fantasy points this year as him. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. And it, the foot, the foot is scary. The scary. age, not, not as much purely because right. his first two years, he just like did not really do anything. So like the wear and tear isn't scary, even though he's carried the rock 300 times and craziness. Yeah. But yeah, the foot, the, the metal plate thing is <laughs> yes. not ideal. Not, not ideal. ideal, man. Not ideal at all. Speaking of not ideal, uh, did you see the uh, Scott Fish Scott Fishbowl scoring for kickers? I know you and Brian are doing some cool stuff. Um, you yes. know, this is pretty exciting stuff, man. What do you, What do you think? So i I enjoy it. So I'm not. I actually kind of like kickers in fantasy purely because it makes so many people mad that like again i just like love the chaos of it yeah uh brian hates it uh you know blake hampton our other like big analytics guy hates it so analytics people hate it because there's no predictive aspect of kickers right it's just like they do it or they don't and you you have to like have a gut random guess feeling super Um, random yeah which i love uh because i think it's just it's fun um but, you know, that's just me being you know, a troll a little bit, I guess. The mass hole in me. Um, you know, we're so um, talking about Brian. Uh, so BPO FSU is his Twitter handle. Uh, we'll be putting together several shows on Scott Fishbowl's strategy coming up within the next really few days. Because, you yeah. know, the draft is, is coming up on us pretty quickly. Um, so kickers will be a, a big you know, a, a full dedicated show. They're way more viable this year than they were last year. Yes. Um, no points so for missing a kick. That's huge. And they get an extra point for making a kick. Yeah. All made yep. kicks are plus one. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're way more viable. Um, I don't want to give away too, too much, but um, you know, last year I was very much absolutely do not draft a kicker. Right. Uh, last year it made no sense this year. I'm not, fully like yeah justin tucker round eight do it uh i i I wouldn't do that um but they're way more viable as as options so there's still some high level variants that we'll talk about but like um what's his name uh folk from new england was like a wide receiver like 26 Hmm. like if you like you put it like the end of the year stats he had 200 i think 203 points at the end of the year or 213 yeah, the, like the problem was you didn't know it was going to be folk at the beginning of the season. So that's kind of the yeah. point, too, is I'm sure you guys yes. will cover this. Is like, just take any fucking kicker. It doesn't need to be like, yeah. oh, I'm getting Justin Tucker. Like, yeah. yes, Tucker is more likely to 
you know, do well than some shit bag. But yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. nobody was like, folks, the guy for sure. And sure, yeah. he was the guy. So, but yeah, yeah, I think on a weekly basis, if you've got a couple of good matchup kickers uh, at the mm-hmm. end of your bench, it's interesting, man. Cause I just can't even bring myself to do that. Like, especially when I see like, you know, like Kenny Gainwell there or something like just can't oh, yeah. press the button for a kicker over some like, you know, I don't know, man. It's just hard for me. So. Yeah, and it's because the upside's not there. Like, it might take Rashad right. White or Justin, you know, Justin Tucker. It's like, well, Tucker might average nine points a game, or Rashad White, if anything happens to Fournette, is going to be you know, like a top ten running back. So, uh, other than that, we're going to talk about you know building uh, what it looks like to build a zero RB team. You know, if you go RB heavy, like who are the wide receivers to target? Some sleepers that we love at ADP, some people that we want to fade at ADP. Uh, so if you're into in Scott Fishbowl or even in the best balls, um, you know, check us out. We'll, they'll be on, on YouTube um, and uh, try to just put some content out there for the, the charity aspect and help people hopefully try to win some games and, and win the whole damn thing. Yeah. Brian's been doing some awesome work for undroppables bets and UN bets. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely killing it. Been been winning money and, and doing it right. So you got to subscribe there. Uh, Brian and Dan doing the Scott Fishbowl stuff last year were great. Um, I should have listened. We do our weekly I, show too. Yeah, I swung from the from the from the heels last week uh, last year, and uh, did not do well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do well this year. I'm gonna do good this year. I promise. I promise. I'm gonna do good in Scott Fishbowl this year. Yeah, that's that's definitely the goal. Last year, I, I started out pretty well, and then uh, Russ got hurt, and it, it started to go downhill pretty quickly. So hoping to avoid injury. But um, yeah, I'll plug that too. So if you're a, re, a redraft person, uh, Brian and I, every Monday night during Monday night halftime, um, we do a quick 15 to 20 minute, you know, the exact opposite of this show, uh, 15, yes. 20 minute hard, hard calf. And uh, we just go really quick, rapid fire, you know, what do you need to know and what can you plan to move forward? Um, we're both, you know, big redraft type guys. So it, it really plays into our strengths. I love that show though. You guys do a great, that is a great show. It is the polar opposite of the show. Cover a lot of <laughs> ground in a very short period of time here. We cover no ground in a very long period of time. <laughs> totally, totally different. Uh, but we had a good time, Perfect. man. This was a great show. Um, you just, uh, so so nicely plugged all your stuff like in in conversation that's fantastic uh but yeah just follow us at the undroppables uh mm-hmm. follow uh dan at uh awl sabermetrics uh on twitter uh his rankings and my rankings still currently free up on the site so dynasty rankings up there uh broken down to positions and all that's there so the undroppables.com we uh we appreciate all the listeners by the way, show's doing great, Dan, and uh, so everybody's gonna know just how much of a donkey you and I are after they listen to the show. So many people, I heard. Be, yeah, it's just gonna be. Yeah, I, I Duncan was talking with Duncan. Now I'm a little, you know, a lot of people are about to hear this voice, and I apologize. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they're 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 currently disappointed. They're used to being disappointed by me, not by the guests. So this one is yeah, gonna be a know, totally. Listen, there's new. a first time for everything, yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Totally new. But no, thank you so much, man. You're awesome. I appreciate you coming on. I was Mr. Mom today, which was crazy. I'm like, my kids are fucking breaking the door down as I try to record this thing. Oh man, high degree of difficulty this week for Mr. Game Theory. But we are so grateful. So thank you to everybody for listening. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of the greatest producer the world has ever known, Mr. Michael. E. Duncan, on behalf of the great 
Dan Bradley. I am Jax Falcone. And we are out. Yeah.